So I have a couple scripture readings for this morning. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone were to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but for whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And that's Matthew 16, 24 through 26. And Krishna Das paraphrasing the Tulsi Das Ram Manasa. Ram, God, asked Hanuman the soul, how do you see me? Hanuman says, when I identify with the body, I serve you completely. When I identify with the soul, then you are the whole and I am the part. But when I know who I am, you and I are one. In John 14, verses 6 and 7, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So the last time I was up here in this capacity was 20 years ago, as I gave my confirmation faith statement. Over the years, I've had some time, and I made some updates, and will attempt today to share with you my current understanding and faith. I'd like to start by stating the obvious. I'm not a scholar or a preacher. I'm a congregant and pilgrim on the route to God. And I don't expect the information I share today to be new. But our commitment as a congregation is to explore the truth of God and to serve as reminders and aids to each other in our faith journey. Since I was a child, I would sit in the pew and listen to my father's sermons. And occasionally, I would think about what I would say if I was ever standing up here. Sometimes I would go up the stairs to my father's office early Sunday mornings or late Saturday evenings to sit and get a preview of the sermon. And at times we would discuss the sermon and I would ask questions about certain spots or we would explore our own faith and spiritual questions. Going through this process of writing the sermon myself, I've discovered the beautiful and challenging journey of thinking of what to say. Once my ego got a little more out of the way, and after going through the points I would want to try to make, or the stories I would want to try to share, I began to laugh at the impossible task before me. I'm sure you've all heard the Lao Tzu paraphrased uh, a bit, those who know do not speak, and those who speak don't know. So I guess we know what category I'm falling into right from the get-go. We're faced with a conundrum. How do we talk about God? How do we talk about the ineffable? How do we talk about something where words will always fall short and can often be misleading? Or sometimes even worse, end up giving ourselves a false sense of security and knowing. But here we are. In a way, this process is a bit like trying to describe the moment of a hug when you really needed one. The words will never describe what happened and what was felt and all that went into and happened in that moment. You could fill volumes and it will never be the same as what was experienced in receiving that hug. 
It's totally experiential. You know that moment because of all the ways that you knew it and it was experienced by you. For it said, for those who understand, no explanation is needed. For those who do not understand, no explanation is possible. A meditation bell is a word, a symbol I'm using to describe this item. If someone were to fill it with water, perhaps it would be called a bowl or a pot, or if there was a plant placed inside of it, perhaps we'd call it a planter, and it would have a totally different function. The word does not simply define this. I can tell you that when this bell is struck, it will make a ring, or I could try to emulate it for you and say when the bell is struck, it's gonna go boom. Anything I say or try to communicate to you is not the same as the experience of the ringing of this bell. There are no words I could say to you that will be the same as simply hearing that bell. This is the predicament of the truth of God. It has to be experienced and known. We can say all kinds of lines, God is love, we're all one, we're all part of God, but these are just words until they become our experience. It's through people who have had this direct experience and share this experience that we find our teachings. And it is the wish of those teachings to lead us to a path where we begin to see the truth and path to God and develop our own experiential understanding of the capital T, truth. Jesus' direct experience in consciousness or soul or spirit was in unity with God, in complete unity with God. John 14, chapters 8 through 10, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in, my, in the Father, and the Father is in me? These words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. In verses 6 and 7, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In verse 19 through 20, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also live. You you will live also. And that day you will know that I am my Father, and you and me, and I and you. This is our calling to understand this, This is the nature of who we are. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Remember, Jesus is not talking about a person. 
Jesus is not talking about the Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, born in a manger, son of a carpenter. Jesus has made very clear who he is speaking of or what he is speaking of. Jesus is speaking in the unity of the Christ. Jesus is speaking as Emmanuel, God with us. The body of Jesus is a vessel of the divine spirit in which God is the self. Do you not believe me that I am in my Father and my Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. If we could really know Jesus, if we really knew Jesus, we would have no concept of separation of Jesus and God the Father. And if we understood that in the way Jesus says, we would have no separation between God and Jesus and what we think of as ourselves. It would just be I. Since we are not at that place where we are fully recognizing and living in the direct truth of that unity and oneness with God, what do we do? Well, it would take a lot of hubris to say anything now at this moment, but the answer seems very tricky and simple at the same time. We take steps to shift our awareness back to our true nature and to our true self. We move through the illusion of separateness and return to the state of unity awareness with God. We move behind our identities, which we have created and learned from our environment and the, necessi and the necessity for survival as a separate being to return to the truth of I am in my Father, and you and me, and I and you. Cheng Su says, the purpose of a fish trap is to catch the fish. When the fish is caught, the trap can be forgotten. The purpose of the rabbit snare is to catch the rabbit. When the rabbit is caught, the snare is forgotten. The purpose of the word is to convey ideas. When the ideas are grasped, the words are forgotten. Where can I find a man who has forgotten words? He is the one I would like to talk to. It is true grace that we've been given practices and teachings by those beings who have helped reveal the capital S self and bade us to follow course. Jesus gave many instructions and practices to his disciples he gave instructions on how to pray, how we should fast, how to give and serve others, how to not make a spectacle of our spiritual work, and he tells us where to place our values. This is not a behavioral program in terms of being graded on a scale of good and bad. This is a path of the godly flow of harmony to help lead us to a state of unity by reducing hindrances and obstacles in our path. For example, Matthew 6. Take heed that ye do not do your almsgiving before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, ye will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, when thou givest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets, 
that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they will have their reward. But when thou givest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right has done. And when thou prays, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet and shut the door. Pray to the Father who is in secret, and the Father who is in secret shall reward thee openly. And Jesus' final, you know, one of his final instructions from that Sermon on the Mount was offering the Lord's Prayer. And the truth is, we don't do any of this for God. And we don't do this for someone else. We do this for ourselves. We do this ultimately from joy. We do this because through the path to God, we begin to steep in the external riches of the love of God and the expression of that love in our being. And it begins to permeate our being in reality. The title of this sermon is Love, Serve, Remember. This instruction is a synthesis of a universal path to God as brought forth by Neem Curly Baba and Rob Doss. The instruction is to love everyone, serve everyone, and remember God. And it's beautifully cyclical. Why do you serve everyone? Because you love everyone. And why do you love everyone? Because you remember God in all beings, in all creation, in yourself, and your awareness is full of the active manifestation of God in the self in all things. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. If you noticed, it's a loop. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that second part is maybe where we get tripped up, depending on how we are seeing loving ourselves and if we're not fully attending to that first part. If we're loving God with all of our hearts and minds, we'll be in a state where we are seeing God in everyone, including ourselves. A mantra is a word or phrase that roots us in truth like an anchor. Mantra, in a simple translation, means mind protecting. We understand that the thoughts that we have during our day bring our attention to different things. If we're hungry, we'll often be thinking of food. If we're tired, we'll often be thinking about rest or our exhaustion. The mantra is a way to aid our mind in not getting completely lost in our thoughts moment to moment. It's a way to help maintain our awareness that is intentionally focused on God and truth. 
Ram Dass often shared the mantra, I am loving awareness. This is a practice that we can bring with us into our daily life, moment to moment. It's a statement of identity with our true self, our God self. In Exodus 3, chapter 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. There are two ways that we can use this mantra, and we can do it all together in every moment. The first way is to set some time apart daily, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, the more the merrier, to take time to catch hold of your day and mind and to center yourself in your identity with your God self. I encourage you to try to incorporate this in your life or some kind of regular spiritual practice to help you break up your day and to allow for a breath of remembrance. If you feel down and defeated or unworthy or too busy to take the time to do the mantra, that's an even better reason to do it. And if you're joyful and in gratitude, that's a beautiful time to do it. There's no time where this will not be a beneficial practice. Option two is a little more involved, and it is to work on making it a part of your moment-to-moment -moment life. To have the mantra running throughout your mind continuously as much as you can remember to. Although this is not the end goal, you can begin to watch how your interactions with people and yourself change. Your job, your relationship with your children and friends, the way you meet challenges in your life and your overall disposition. The path to God is as ever-present as God is and the joy, peace, strength, and devotion that fills your being along the way. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The path to God and coming to God is its own reward. Now let's take a moment to share in this moment of remembrance together, repeating the mantra, I am loving awareness. While we do this, we're not trying to feel any particular way. We're simply open to the mantra and as other things cross our mind and awareness, we notice them without following them and we bring ourselves back to the mantra. I invite you now to close your eyes for a moment. Take a breath and watch it leave you. And repeat with me, I am loving awareness. 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 I am loving awareness.
I am loving awareness. And it's through this space that we share our unity together, our unity with God, in God, and we can recognize ourselves in that presence and return there anytime we want. Thank you, and amen.